0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to TNTradio.live. Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT
1: well hey there and welcome to the misty winston show right here on today's news talk thank you as always for tuning in to hang out with me appreciate you uh very much uh hey by the way right now wherever you're listening watching whatever um like subscribe where you're at share Uh, make a comment. All of those things help tremendously uh, with the algorithm on all the various platforms. So if you're listening um, uh, on YouTube or wherever, uh, just really quickly make a comment, give a thumbs up. It doesn't have to be anything uh, dramatic, but all of that stuff really does help with the algorithm. So if you could help us out with that, that would be fantastic. Okay, Uh, a couple quick things before we jump into the show. First of all, Matthew Ho is our guest today. I'm very excited to have him. He's fantastic. Uh, He's a veteran. Um, He is an activist. He has been a a long time supporter of Julian Assange uh and so I'm always excited to have him on the show he was actually one of the featured speakers at our um the massive protest that we had in Washington DC uh, last October uh he's great so I love having him on the show and speaking of Assange um, as we covered uh eight days ago um <laughs> Julian Assange uh today marks 13 years um since Julian Assange was arrested so eight days following the release of uh Cablegate, Um, he was arrested and he has essentially been incarcerated in some form or fashion ever since, whether it's um, uh, 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 under house arrest, embassy siege, uh, he's now on Belmarsh, obviously, which by the way, a journalist with no history of violence who did nothing but publish Truthful information is being held in Belmarsh prison, which as uh, some of you may know, they, they often call the Guantanamo of the UK. It is absurd that this man is being held in uh, those kinds of circumstances. But um, today, uh, because it is the 13 year anniversary of his arrest, his initial arrest, um, it has uh, been called Global Free Assange Day. So if you could um, go and uh, make a post on social media, call your elected representatives, send an email, have a conversation with friends and family whatever you can do uh it is global free assange day so that would be very helpful also um we've talked about this a couple different times with various different people but um there is the day x um i guess effort that the don't extradite assange uh group has put into uh it's put out there um as we talked about i think we even talked about this yesterday but um We don't ever have a day. We never have a deadline. There's never like, hey, this decision is coming on January 4th at this time. Um, And so uh, it's it's really difficult for us to plan. And with this next decision that's coming, we are waiting for a decision on uh, the final request for appeal from the high court in the UK. Uh, Once that decision comes down, if it is accepted, which let's be honest, is very unlikely, um, although it could be because they want to drag this out for as long as possible, I genuinely don't believe that they want to uh, actually extradite him to the united states so it is possible that they could accept that request for appeal just so that they can drag it out even further uh but if it is not accepted he could be extradited then within hours so um if you go to don't extradite backslash day um hash mark x um you can sign up for uh they will send you whenever that decision comes down regardless of what it is uh, they will send you an alert so you can sign up with your email you can also add in a phone number if you would like to get an sms message along with it uh, you don't have to use your phone number if you don't want to if you just want to give an email even if it's just like a burner email as an activist i have a burner email you should have a burner email so that you can uh, send stuff out without having it come to your original uh, email so go to don't extraditeassange.com, sign up for the day x alert uh that way when that decision comes down you can uh, especially if you're in the uk um because they are going to as soon as that decision comes down there's they want to have a protest um on whatever day that is at the royal court of justice at 9 a.m on whatever day that is so sign up for notifications um if you would like to be uh, aware of that um also some very sad news so um uh rifat al Who ran the Twitter account uh, at iTranslate123? He was a Gazan Palestinian man. Um, He was um, unfortunately murdered by the terrorist state of Israel. uh, And that happened today. It's very sad. It's all over social media. Uh, uh, He did great work in translating different things over the years. Um, And I just wanted to read, he wrote a poem um, uh, not long ago. I think it was on November 1st. Um, He wrote a poem about uh, the situation in Gaza. And he said, If I must die, You must live, to tell my story, to sell my things, to buy a piece of cloth and some strings, make it white with a long tail, so that a child somewhere in Gaza, while looking heaven in the eye, awaiting his dad who left in a blaze and bid no one farewell, not even to his flesh, not even to himself, sees the kite, my kite you made, flying up above, and thinks for a moment an angel is there, bringing back love. If I must die, let it bring hope let it be a tale. So um, I've been long following his account on Twitter. Um, Again, he's done done really great work on um, uh, the situation in Gaza for a very long time, not just recently, but over the years. Um, And his final tweet actually was calling out the Democratic Party. uh, And he retweeted um, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, her tweet from December third, talking about Israel's so-called right to defend itself. Uh, And he said, the Democratic Party and Biden are responsible for the Gaza genocide perpetuated by Israel. So um just wanted to bring you that news very sad uh I mean, it is what it is, I guess. So, um, okay, don't forget, you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the sub-stock, mistywinston.substack.com. There's a write-up for the guest of the day every day so you can find, follow, and support their work as well. And if you would like, you can shoot me an email at Winston at tntradio.live. Guest idea, show idea, whatever it is, hit me up. Um, and also, for a complete list of shows and our schedule offered at TNT Radio, uh, you can visit the website at tntradio.live. We serve up the latest live news and current affairs presented by a host of credible and expert commentators who can separate fact from fiction, truth from propaganda, or right here on TNT Radio?
2: Connecting the dots,
0: painting the bigger picture. They always
1: have a great conversation.
0: Today's news talk radio, TNT.
1: All right, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, so even more. Considering just how many conflicts and potential conflicts around the world that the US military is already actively involved in, and there are numerous, uh, it's a safe argument to suggest that our troops are already spread too thin. Yes. Uh, And unfortunately, they're about to be spread just a wee bit thinner. Why not? The United States said it would carry out flight operations in the South American country of Guyana amid fears that Venezuelan leader Nicolas Maduro is looking to annex a portion of it. Here with this story, joining me now is tnt radio news producer adam clark aka ruckus so hey what's one more i mean what's one more my friend
3: a fun fact in case you didn't know the 2004 puppetry comedy film team america world police written and directed by the creators of south park was inspired by actual events Okay, maybe that's not exactly true, but regardless, <laughs> let's just assume that it is. I mean, not officially anyways, but the news these days, Misty, could easily inspire more than just a handful of sequels. Am I right? Um, so, yeah, here's what's going on. Over the weekend, the Venezuelan government held a referendum to supposedly allow Venezuelans to decide the future of the oil and mineral-rich Essequibo region of Guyana, drawing pushback from leaders in Guyana. Can't imagine why. This week, Venezuela claimed that more than 10.5 million people cast ballots in the referendum. Uh, Mr. Maduro said, following the announcement of the referendum's results, quote, we have taken the first steps of a new historical stage to fight for our Guyana-Esequibo, for peace and to recover what the liberators left us, end quote. The U.S. Southern Command, Southcom, confirmed that it, quote, will conduct flight operations within Guyana, end quote. That was today, which, quote, builds upon routine engagement and operations to enhance security partnership between the United States and Guyana and to strengthen regional cooperation, end quote. Southcom also said it will, quote, continue its commitment as Guyana-Guiana's I think it's Guyana, I'm sorry, trusted security partner and promoting regional cooperation and interoperability, end quote, on other matters, including, quote, disaster preparedness, aerial and maritime security and countering transnational criminal organizations, end quote. Fancy gobbledygook there. Uh, earlier this week, officials told the AP that a military helicopter belonging to the Guyanese military that was carrying seven people disappeared near the border uh, between Guyana and and Venezuela, there was no indication that it might have been shot down and there was poor weather in the area. The statement issued by the U.S. military did not mention the Venezuelan referendum or fears that the country might attempt to annex Essequibo. Guyana has questioned the referendum's legitimacy, put its armed forces on high alert, and said Mr. Maduro is disregarding the International Court of Justice's orders about taking no action to change the status quo in Essequibo." The White House on Thursday reiterated the United States, quote unquote, unwavering support for Guyana's sovereignty amid growing border tensions between Guyana and Venezuela. Uh, White House national security spokesperson John Kirby told reporters, quote, we absolutely stand by our unwavering support for Guyana's sovereignty, end quote. And he added that Washington supported a peaceful resolution to the border dispute between Venezuela and Guyana. The U.S. State Department earlier this week said it thinks the Venezuela-Guyana border dispute could not be settled through a referendum. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken spoke with the Guyanese President Ifran Ali late on Wednesday, according to the State Department, uh, Brazilian President Luiz Inacio Lula da Silva said he was following developments with increasing concern and suggested multilateral bodies should contribute to a peaceful solution and that Brazil could host talks. Mr. Lula said, quote, we do know we do not want and we do not need war in South America, end quote. Yeah. Are you kidding? Uh, So uh, interestingly enough, uh, Misty, the fun fact here, this one's true. uh, The Essequibo region was home to Jonestown, the communal settlement located near the Venezuelan border that was set up by People's Temple leader and avowed Marxist Jim Jones. That's right, the Kool-Aid story. In 1978, more than 900 people died uh, as part uh, of a cyanide poisoning pact of some sort or a mass murder suicide event there's a lot of rabbit holes we can go down there but yep that's uh, where that happened so interesting stuff but what do you think about all of this annexation talk
1: well uh the Jonestown thing is certainly interesting I'm kind of a true crime nerd and that is uh, a big one in the true crime community although it's kind of a weird it's not like a typical true crime story I mean it's a cult situation but it, I mean it kind of gets lumped into those uh those types of things but listen um uh, first of all I think it's interesting that the United States is uh, saying that they are doing that they're getting involved to ensure Regional cooperation I mean they're just saying it out loud right but uh I don't know if um uh you know Guyana is under threat from Venezuela Venezuela, um, But what I do know is that uh, if you want to make the situation worse, let the United States get involved. We've seen that time and time again. And we know that the United States has been attempting to start stuff with Venezuela for a very long time. We attempted a coup, uh, which Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez very famously punted on and said that she deferred to caucus leadership uh, and refused to take a stand. Um, uh, Elon Musk very famously said, we will coup whoever we want. Um, uh, so this is uh, the, the tension between the United States and Venezuela has been building for a very very long time. The United States is very interested uh, in getting its hands on their resources. Um, And so uh, is Venezuela uh, potentially going to annex part of Guyana? I have no idea. Maybe. Uh, But what I do know is that letting the United States get involved is certainly only going to make things worse. And we are definitely not. I mean, also, I love that they talked about uh, we're we're concerned about Guyana's sovereignty. No, we're not. We are never concerned with anybody's sovereignty. It's the same uh, line that we try to sell for every one of these situations, whether it's Ukraine uh, or Guyana. It doesn't matter. Uh, that's one of our favorite things to say uh, when we want to get involved in one of these situations. So I absolutely do not believe that that is, um, you know, that we have unwavering support for their sovereignty. Of course, we do not. Um, we just want to get our grubby hands on whatever resources that we can in Venezuela. And I think that this is just one way that we are uh, potentially uh, getting ourselves involved in it. So um, I, I just it's it's fascinating to me that any country at this point would ever want the United States anywhere near Uh, their business. Um, It it has just never turned out great for anybody who's ever attempted that before. So uh, but what do you think, Adam? I mean, surely this is, uh, as you said, as we said at the top here, um, you know, uh, we're already stretched incredibly thin. We're poking at two different nuclear powers. There's this massive conflict uh, kicking off in the Middle East with various different countries, threat of a whole regional thing erupting. Uh, Certainly getting involved in one more thing can't I mean, what could possibly go wrong, right?
3: Right. All, all well said. And, and I'm absolutely certain, I'm quite confident, hopeful anyways, crossing my fingers that uh, what oil giant Exxon Mobil said back in 2015 about the sparsely populated region of Essequibo has nothing to do with that. Oh, yeah. and what did they say? Oh, they made a quote unquote significant oil discovery. And as mm-hmm. we've been inferring, this region is also believed uh huh, to be rich in minerals, other natural resources. So, yeah, it's it's much more of the same um, as um, our friend uh, Gerald Salente says, when all else fails, they take you to war. Uh, yep. So they try to do their shenanigans, the cuckoo, cachoo in uh, Venezuela. And if that doesn't work, well, it's time to just start something. Right, Misty?
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is what we do. Again, this is it's not like this is new. Uh, this is our MO. This is what we do all over the globe. And so, uh, yeah, it, I, is is Venezuela attempting to annex part of Guyana? I have no idea. Maybe, possibly. Uh, but what I do know is if Guyana wants any hope whatsoever of um, maintaining their sovereignty, they should stay far, far away from the United States at all costs. Uh, and yeah, I'm sure that the uh, the fact that it is a very resource-rich uh, region has absolutely nothing to do with our interest in getting involved there. Never. We would never do that. All right, Adam, thanks uh, so much for bringing us the story. We will talk to you again tomorrow, as always, and hang tight. We're going to be right back with Matthew Ho right after this on TNT Radio.
0: Jeremy Nell on TNT Radio. Being South African, I'm, I know the situation,
2: and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And then when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I?
4: Yes, uh, Um, Since the dawn of
3: democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, So it
1: averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average every fifth day, Um, but over the last few months, both of those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders.
0: Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. (laughs) My baby's back from the West Coast. (laughs) Hear those pictures that you asked for for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button.
1: (laughs) So long ago.
0: Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Mm. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy.
1: Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe and is the best way to protect that legacy.
2: Ah, those (laughs) beans smell heavenly.
1: You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay. Smart. I'm
0: coming
1: to share with you guys.
0: Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. Today's News Talk Radio.
2: Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored News. Today's News Talk Radio.
0: TNT.
1: All right. Our guest tonight is Matthew Ho. Matthew had nearly 12 years experience with the U.S. military and the wars overseas as a former Marine captain and with the Department of Defense and State Department. He's an Iraq war veteran who actually resigned in protest from his post in Afghanistan with the State Department over the American escalation of that war. Um, He ran for Senate on the Green Party ticket in North Carolina in 2022 and serves as associate director at Eisenhower Media Network. Matthew, thanks so much for being here.
4: Hey, thanks, Misty. It's good to see you.
1: Yeah, it's good to have you on. It's been a while since we've had a chat. So I wanted to start off by talking. uh, I brought this up at the top of the show. Uh, Today marks 13 years since Julian Assange was initially arrested after the release of Cablegate. You are a longtime supporter uh, of Julian Assange. You're a very vocal supporter. As I mentioned, you are actually one of our featured speakers at the October uh, event that we held last year. Um, So uh, I just wanted to get your take on where you think the Assange case uh, stands right now. We're currently waiting for that uh, decision from the High Court on the request for appeal um uh, but it feels as if there's a lot of things shifting in terms of public perception with the Assange case what do you think
4: well, I I think it's like um well it gets to the whole point of Wikileaks right this idea of, of, of informing people letting people know what's going on so you know first time I ever spoke publicly about uh, Julian and about Wikileaks was in the spring of 2010 after Wikileaks had released a collateral murder video and that video if people are not familiar with it shows the killing of 10 people if i remember correctly on the streets of baghdad by an american uh, helicopter gunship uh, including journalists and wounding children as well and um, the pilots of that aircraft laughing about that mocking them uh, i remember being on the air on msnbc and being asked about this and my thoughts were my god we've been occupying that country for seven years now what did you think we were doing over there so i i think we're we're seeing this shift i think with the public because the public has become more aware of what we are doing over there and their natural skepticism the suspicion the uh uh, intellectual critique of what the u.s government says and does and what the media corporate legacy establishment media says and done has been heightened annually right I mean so just we, we, and now in the in the years since Julian was arrested and he went into uh you know uh, uh house arrest in 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 the Ecuadorian embassy and then of course and dragged off to, to Belmore sh- several years ago and now we're in this point where being in this limbo I think those of us who are familiar with Julian concerned about him um uh it's a stressful period because we don't know what's going to happen next and a lot of us this is how I think I shouldn't say for others but my belief is that what the US government ultimately wants is for Julian to die in prison that they hope he he, that the hope they hope his health fails they hope that he he gives out and they hope that he dies by suicide things like that occur um so that they don't have to bring him over the US the American public does not need to learn further about him and then they don't have to risk the possibility of losing in court which with this Supreme Court, I don't know what you know, I'm not sure how realistic their fear is of that, but certainly I think that hope is is it, and of course, what better what better way to punish somebody and set an example than what they've done to Julian? So what they've done to Julian these last thirteen years for journalists who are out there for publishers who are out there you know they're scared to death that not only will i face julian's face but i'll fate, fate but i'll face it in the same way he is facing it without any recourse whatsoever for justice without ever being able to to face his accusers right um, so there's that the 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 insidiousness of all this uh is, is really deep
1: Yes, it really is, and I absolutely agree with you. We actually just spoke about this yesterday. I genuinely do not think that they actually want to extradite him to the United States. I think that they recognize that so far they've been able to kind of do this uh, mostly behind closed doors, without with very little fanfare, with very little mainstream media coverage in the West. Um, And I think that they would really like to keep it that way. I think that they know that if he is brought to the United States, that then opens a can of worms. That opens uh, it's going to be incredibly difficult for mainstream media, as much as they would like to try, to ignore the fact that a journalist. Was extradited to the United States to face, uh, you know, uh, charges under the Espionage Act. They that th- it completely evaporates their ability to ignore this case, and I think that they don't want people talking about it. Not just because they don't want people talking about the fact that a foreign journalist is being extradited to the United States under our laws for publishing the truth, but they also don't want those conversations being had about the truth. They don't want to. They don't want people to um, uh, start discussing the things that he has released, not just with the Iraq and Afghanistan war logs, the collateral murder video, as you mentioned. But other things uh, over the years that he has released, including things like Vault Seven, um, I think that they uh, recognize that an extradition would definitely open up those conversations.
4: That that's that's uh, completely correct, right? Because um, what you have in that conversation then is this: the the exposure, the articulation, right, the repeating of all these inconvenient truths. The top one being, of course, that nothing WikiLeaks has ever published has been untrue, right? It's always nothing, nothing of all the documents, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, however many they've published over the years, nothing has ever had been shown to be false or forgery, you know, incorrect. And so that, I think, is the point you're getting at, right, Misty, is that people in the U.S. have these conversations and everything we know about, say, just in the last, couple decades, but Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, uh, Ukraine um, is then this type of conversation, this this event that ties all those pieces together, ties in torture, ties in uh, diplomatic coercion and pressure and bribery, right? Ties all these things together on our foreign policy, loops in the surveillance piece as well as, oh yeah, that's right, the American government spying and everything we're doing is that what the United States government wants to have as the focal point the focal piece of say 2024 is that what the Biden <laughs> reelection campaign wants to be talking about right in June and July of next year so there's very uh, they they have uh motives that benefit the Empire protect the Empire right I mean uh keep the, the narrative in line uh, but then they also have more personal or institutional political concerns about this that again goes back to to, to our, yeah, our concern that are they just going to try and make it so that he just dies in captivity and is never brought here um and but uh yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the the notion that, we are so I, I visited Julian in 2014 in the embassy and I remember thinking at that point my God he's been in here for what was that like, three years at that point mm-hmm. um and you know because it, it's small people think like I did it's the embassy next to Harrods it's probably huge and you pull up and it's like this five or six story building but then you realize he's on one one half of one floor you know yeah. and so the idea of him being there for, at that point for 2014 for that long it was just this is this is wrong this is inhuman uh, th- th- you know and uh, but then the idea that here we are now uh nine years after that talking about it uh is really something that really deeply uh it, it really disturbs me
1: yeah. And he's being held in even worse conditions at this point. And uh, that's, what's so crazy about this situation to me anyway, is that it's for, for me, it's so unbelievably obvious that th- what he, uh, the way that he is being treated is, um, incredibly unjust and ridiculously, um, uh, frankly, just dangerous. I mean, in terms of, as you spoke about earlier, the idea that the chilling effect that this has created, uh, not just for journalists, but also for whistleblowers, um, we've seen the way that Chelsea Manning was, uh, treated. We've seen the way Daniel Hale, John Kiriakou, every whistleblower who's ever come out, uh, right now david mcbride in australia being treated right. very much in that same way and i think that uh the chilling effect has been uh incredibly dangerous and that's exactly what this is designed to do uh they they're using him i often liken him to the head on the stake outside the castle walls he is the threat mm-hmm. to everybody else that if you come for us this is what we will do to you and that's exactly what we're seeing play out so we need to take a quick break and get some headlines hang tight we're going to be back here on tnt radio
4: check this out
0: news talk radio
2: tnt radio news for TNG Radio News, this is James O'Neill. House Republicans introduced a resolution to formally authorize their impeachment inquiry into President Biden on Thursday. Top defense firm General Dynamics, a major contractor for the U.S. military, is planning to open a new weapons factory in western Ukraine. The High Court in London has thrown out objections to government plans to use two disused RAF bases to house single male illegal immigrants seeking asylum.
0: Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio?
2: Do you think we're doing a good job?
0: Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
1: All right. We're here joined by Matthew Ho. Uh, We were just talking a little bit about the Assange case. I do want to shift gears, though, um, and talk to you a little bit as you're a veteran. So obviously, um, you have some experience here. But um, as we talked about at the top of the show, the United States uh, and its military is spreading itself entirely too thin. Uh, And not only that, I think we are engaged in uh, various ridiculous uh, conflicts that we really have no business being. in. obviously, I think that we're, you know, we've got the situation in Ukraine with Russia. We have Taiwan on the back burner. Now we have Israel. Uh, committing a genocide in palestine uh which uh, threatens a, a regional conflict there um and then as uh, adam our news producer brought the story earlier we now um uh, are attempting to get involved in guyana with venezuela um mm-hmm. and i think it is insane we have so many high level um american officials everybody from joe biden himself to people like janet yellen who's uh, you know assuring everybody that sure we can totally afford all these conflicts uh but to me i feel like this is it's it's insanity matthew it is insanity but what what do you think about all this i mean you're a veteran you obviously have some behind the scenes uh, uh, information and knowledge, uh, but what do you think?
4: Well, um, it, insanity is is uh, you know I'll jump on board with with your your choice of word. Uh, it, it's madness, and it, there's a descent to it. You know, like a you know like a whirlwind or a whirlpool, if you will, right? And this yeah. the continually being pulled under here because as things fall apart as you try and maintain this empire as other previous administrations try and expand the empire then you overreach and so now you're even scrambling further and further trying to grasp on anything and of course that requires expending more resources so just to maintain the craziness the insanity the madness of what previous administrations have done uh you know this administration finds itself having to spend you know nearly a trillion dollars and of course that type of 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 uh spending is just it becomes almost exponential and if you do you look at the defense budget you go back to 2001. uh you'll see that defense spending was about 300 if i remember correct about 320 billion dollars And now in 2023, so 22 years later or so, you're looking at a defense budget that's about $885 billion, um, with, of course, more being tacked on for war, such as the $106 billion supplemental uh, assistance for the wars in Israel, Ukraine, um, the hope for war, the war that they want in Taiwan— And of course, the, 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 you know, what's occurring on, on the border, which in my opinion is a crime against humanity. Um, You know, that cruelty, that depravity on our side is, is something, but uh, you know, and then what does that buy you though? So I mean what is, what does that get you? We spend we've spent all this money. We know it's just, these numbers are a couple of years old now, but uh, Brown University's Cost of War project calculated that since 2001, uh from 20 from 2001 through 2021, uh we had spent 16 trillion dollars on the Pentagon. Half of that going directly to uh the costs of the war in Iraq and in Afghanistan you know i mean like so all the opportunity costs but then just how counterproductive all is all and and not to mention of course the morality of this the just the, the absolute horror show what 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 this did to tens of millions of people what it's still doing to tens of millions of people you know in, in you know overseas but then what what it, what did it accomplish what did it get you know and you've seen just the, a destabilized world if we were spending almost 900 billion dollars a year on our military and things were quiet Maybe you could say, well, I don't really like it, but it is getting results. But it's it's the complete opposite. This this militarized foreign policy has has uh made things much much worse it's exasperated tensions at times it has actually provoked those tensions there have been invasions occupations coups done directly by the United States and then invasions occupation coups done indirectly by the US and you look at this world and you say my God we are closer now to nuclear war I mean, the possibility, a pathway that you could see to a nuclear war, a global nuclear war through either Palestine and Israel or Ukraine and Russia is is not a, a figment. It, it's it's not something that we could jest or mock or make fun of. It's something that's very possible. So you look at all this and you say, you know, what it just it's insanity. There's no other word for it, because how can you ha- how can you spend that much money hollow out? your own economy while doing that. And, and of course, immiserating tens of millions of Americans, confining them to poverty and living paycheck to paycheck, doing nothing about the climate, et cetera, et cetera. But then as well for the results, for the results, you know, for this is what we got. I mean, so there is no other word, Mister, to use than in insanity.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think that you're absolutely right. I think all it's done is created more instability across various different regions. It's done. I mean, people like to say that, oh, we have to do it to keep the United States safe. It's made the United States uh, less safe. And there's no question about it. Um, You know, the globe hates us and rightfully so. I mean, as you said, we. I mean, how many coups and occupations um, and conflicts can we participate in and expect no uh, repercussions for that? Of course, people are going to, uh, you know, be angry with the United States. and But I think that you touched on. On something earlier when we were talking about Julian Assange, but uh, I think it applies here as well, that I think that there the public perception is certainly shifting on this issue as well, because, um, and I think over the course of just this past year, uh, some uh, a couple really big things happened that I think awakened a lot of people. First was the situation in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, those people are still dealing with the fallout from that. Very little help from the United States government. And then also uh, the situation in Lahaina on Maui. Um, you know, the, their entire town is in in ashes right now and they got seven hundred dollars per household not even per person matthew per household meanwhile we are sending billions of dollars to one of the most corrupt countries in europe um we are sending and now we're and we have been sending billions of dollars to iraq for i'm sorry to um israel for years and years and years and now we are sending them even uh, even more money weapons all of that stuff we have taiwan on the back burner uh now we're the situation with venezuela and i think people are starting to recognize the game that's being played um and i think that that uh, moving as we talked about earlier with the assange situation moving into an election year um i think that generally speaking foreign policy is not a huge issue um but i think that people are starting to make the connections between foreign policy and domestic policy and recognizing that the money that is being spent in faraway countries to blow people up for profit is money that cannot be spent here on things like homelessness and education and feeding the poor and all of that stuff uh do you think that there's a shift happening because i feel like there is but i also don't know if that's just me desperately wishing to see that You know what
4: I mean? <laughs> right. Right, exactly. I get the same <laughs> way too. Like, please, you know. Um yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think that is the case, though. I, I, I think that you are seeing much more frustration with the government as a whole. But I think when you drill down to that and talk to people about it, it's because they have seen these wars for decades that they know didn't keep us safe, that they believe were not worth fighting, that they that they understand as being based upon lies, right? I mean, and then, of course, they make the connections, as you were saying, with we spend all that money there, but then we can't spend any money here. So whether it's uh disasters like East Palestine or or, or Lahaina or Maui um or, or you know the, these these one-time things that my God we're not properly helping these people out we still haven't you know fixed this I mean how long did you know I mean how long is it going to take and then they see at the same time though the, the how quick. Uh, 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 ten, tens of billions of dollars will be sent overseas to a war that half of them don't agree with. So uh, I think there is. There, there are people make that connection. They understand things better. I think it's a it's a great testament to where alternative media can take us to, right? And I use the term because I'm not sure what else to call it, but digital, independent, you know, what have you. Um, it, because as we're seeing now, particularly with, say, younger generation in the U.S. and their attitude towards Israel and the Palestinians, you know that is informed by their access to information for 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 being able to develop a context of what yep. they're listening to of what they're right. I mean, I think that ability to tell the story in reverse or not reverse, but but to 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 give a new starting line, right? A new start date um I I think that has done a lot for people understanding um whether it's say the war and against the war on the Palestinians whether it's it's everything that predated Russia's invasion of Ukraine so that type of NATO encroachment and it's as well too then the wow people know that folks in Maui only got 700 from FEMA you know and it's one of the most expensive places to live how does this match up right so I I think Connecting all those, uh, uh, connecting all these various um, events, uh, all this information, you know, really causes people's, uh, you know, s- synapses to put it all together. And uh, yeah, so I think we are entering a better. Uh, uh, I would like to think it's one of the things that gives me hope is that yes. we have with with a better informed uh, a population that has context, that knows background, that can research. That we maybe have a, cho- a chance at having a better future than, you yeah, I'm a Gen X guy. So, than what my gen- my, my generation has done.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. I think that people, um, and I, I say this all the time, I, I, I always ask people, how many times does your government get to lie to you before your sense of skepticism kicks in? And I think people's sense of skepticism is kicking in now, and that's really good to see. I think that it's long overdue, but I'll, I mean, listen, I'll take it, uh, but I think that the uh, trust that people have in governmental institutions, in media institution, mainstream media institutions, I think is at an all-time low, and I think that that is because uh, people really are starting to recognize what's happening and the, the reality of the situation that we're in so let's take another quick break we're gonna be right back here on tnt radio
2: with his expert analysis and opinion
0: this is tnt radio's timothy Shea.
2: this is so obviously a pr driven false narrative psyop it's hard to believe anyone could buy it much less get excited by it but i guess they're right you can fool some of the people all of the time i'm talking of course about the latest love of the decade taylor tay tay swift who is elevated to stardom by singing whiny songs about all her failed relationships and kansas city chiefs tight end in pfizer vaccine shill travis kelsey this isn't a romance this is the hollywood music industry and the nfl combining to push joe biden across the finish line next november and along the way Tay going to get the job done by pushing abortion Her traditional audience was preteen girls, and she's trying to get that a little older demographic, the voting age demographic. Will it work? Time will tell. I just hope that people wake up before it's too late. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Hi, I'm Abel. I often forget to mention that he's an amputee because Abel will try any activity he can. My
0: arm helps me with basically everything. He doesn't see what he can't do. He sees what he can do. Yeah,
2: this is helping.
0: The War Amps has just given him the ability to do all the activities every kid can do.
2: When you donate to the War Amps, you help kids like me. Thank you!
0: Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: All right. We're here joined by Matthew Ho. uh, And I wanted to ask you to, obviously, you've been spending a lot of time, as most of us have been, uh, in covering, talking about uh, and paying attention to the situation in Israel-Palestine. And I think something that you said uh, just before the break there about, um, I think, and I've been saying this uh, repeatedly on the show because I think it is accurate. I think that uh, we now... Prior to uh, the past maybe 10 years or so, I think Israel had a really good lockdown on the narrative, on narrative management. Mm-hmm. Essentially, yep. they have full control over Western media. They would tell them what to say and what to print. They would do it. Uh, and it was really difficult for anybody to get any other kind of information or context, as you spoke about uh, with the situation in Russia, the NATO expansion and all of that. Nobody really had any uh, context, context there. And I think that the same applies with Israel-Palestine. And I think that what's so interesting about what's happening right now is I think that with the in- of social media and alternative media, we now have people who are on the ground in Gaza who are able to report on things as they're happening in real time. And I think that that has genuinely opened a lot of people's eyes who maybe bought into the Israel storyline prior to this situation. Um, but now I think a lot of people are recognizing that this didn't start on October 7th. Uh, mm-hmm. This has been going on for decades. And I think that um, uh, it, I, think, I genuinely believe that Israel has completely lost control over the narrative. And I think that that's why we're seeing the millions of people in the street in support of Palestine. What do you think?
4: Well, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I think many of us are surprised, right, that Israel's uh, much vaunted, uh, well-oiled, well-funded propaganda machine is is being so uh, comical, almost farcical, almost. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you can't you, you don't want to laugh at it because of, of the tremendous suffering that's occurring. But some of the stuff the IDF in particular have put out have been something like a bad science live sketch. You know, um, yeah. so I, I think the, the the ability for people to hear a claim and then see it debunked uh so rapidly has an effect. Uh but you know, a lot of it also has to do, I think, with that this Israeli propaganda machine and its allies here in the US. Um I think they well, they're corrupt in the sense that they are organizations that are uh, institutions that are built upon lies, and that whose whole, pro, you know, uh, whose whole point is to lie. So I think you have that type of as your foundation. You're never going to really succeed that well as an organization. I know there are ones you could point out to me that have, but I think that's an inherently corrupt nature of it, as well as then how easy they had it. How for years it was just. Three TV networks, uh, and then three cable news networks came on. And then over the years, though the, the newspaper market has dramatically shrank, so you really only need to just have your hooks, so you have your you know hands on, have control over you know or influence in whatever over a handful of newspapers now, and and a couple of the wire services. And they got lazy, I think, and uh, not understanding how well this type of media could be utilized from those who are using using it to report all the way you know across the world to those who are consuming it and you know it it's it's uh you know as as uh, the former right I think I think he's still part of MSNBC actually but Mehdi Hassan uh when he was interviewing Mark Regev uh primate, one of the prime in Netanyahu's senior advisors you know Mehdi Hassan uh said you know my, so my lion eyes tell me but I'm hearing this from you. And I thought that was just a really great encapsulation of uh just that dissonance that people are now seeing repeatedly over and over again. And so again, you connect the dots, you go back to what did they tell us about the war in Ukraine, you know, and then you learn that. Way the U.S. put uh, nuclear capable missiles in Poland, Romania, and you know all the different things that could make you understand it doesn't justify Russia's invasion, but it helps you understand it, makes you understand it, gives you gives it a background to it, gives it to a life. It's not two D anymore. So I, I think you know, and then of course everything we know about Iraq and Afghanistan, Syria, Yemen, Libya, you know, stretch back to Vietnam, go back uh, further, the Korean War. You know, I. I was someone who always thought the Korean War was just a plain, clear example of one country invading another, that there is it started on June 25th, 1950, and nothing happened before that. And boy, was I wrong. You know, like that kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. And you start and then you, well, okay if I'm wrong about that. And then, you know, we're only we're stopping at 1950, but we have examples of all these other types of wars, invasions, occupation, coups, uh, you know, direct or indirect by the US that go back to they well, they precede the United States' founding. So I mean, uh, if people put that context together. They don't allow themselves to have blackouts, right? You know, don't have these these periods where oh, I'm just not I'm just not gonna remember the Gulf of Tonkin, you know, uh, right. you know, like that a lie that blatant that led to such disaster. I'm just gonna make pretend it didn't happen, you know. Yeah. So I mean, I I think the social media, the digital media, the independent media, as well as access to other media out there, what's particularly say Al Jazeera. Uh, you know, people are like, okay, wait, hang on. I was told that Al Jazeera was just a, you know, was at best a front for a bunch of rich rich shakes in Qatar. And then you're watching this, and you're saying, my God, this is some of the best journalism I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. so I think people also in that, and so it, it, the, the development of how media can hopefully expand based upon this, because more people have trust, confidence, and they're using it. So hopefully, we'll see. Rather than because you know what the establishment media is going to do as well, the governments are going to do. They want to Crack down on that. And we see that, right? We, we see that with a, a number of different methods and tools. One of them, of course, being, uh, you know, the persecution and, and now the uh, prosecution of Julian Assange
1: hundred percent yes i mean that is exactly uh, as we spoke about i mean it's kind of a full circle uh, moment right there but yes that is exactly why they want to silence people like julian assange that's why they're using him um as that uh warning shot to all other journalists and that's listen that's why israel is very clearly targeting journalists i don't think that there's any question about it they've now killed over 70 i'm not sure the exact number was 74 but it seems as if they're killing off at least one or two a day uh so that number could have increased and likely has increased since then i know that the um uh, at least one journalist was kidnapped um Uh, I think just today. So um, I think that uh, there's no question that Israel is very deliberately targeting journalists because they don't want that kind of information getting out. Um, And and, I mean, speaking about the lies of Israel and the way that they listen, it's not just since October 7th, but if you just look at since October 7th, it's literally dozens of lies that they have been very clearly caught in uh, that have been debunked. And as you said, the debunking is it's happening in real time. Israel uh, publishes something on their social media and within an hour, uh, somebody has debunked that and they have to take they have to take it down and shame uh and so I think that that has been a really significant factor here and I think that um uh you know the as as we speak about context I, you know everybody all of the Zionists that get try to get into arguments with me which frankly I'm done arguing with Zionists uh, genocide's not up for debate I'm not willing to debate that it's just not um but you know oh but what about October 7th okay what about October 6th what about October 5th what about October 4th what about the decades of brutalization the Palestinian people have been facing um, um, and that's a conversation that they don't want to have because they don't have good answers for it. But I feel as if, um, uh, as you said, there's just been this long line of lies, uh, not just from Israel, but from the United States government. You mentioned the Gulf of Tonkin, weapons of mass destruction, the Syrian gas attacks. I mean, it's just one right after the other. And I, that's, as we spoke about earlier, I think that that is uh, the uh, the lack of trust in governmental and media institutions is very justified. And I think that a lot of people are now rethinking everything that they've been told, um, which is a heavy Task, but um, I, I really do think that that uh, it, for me, as you said earlier, for me that also gives me hope.
4: Right, it, it does, it does, and, and then the other connections people make, just to to to, uh, you know, in terms of the conversation we're having a little bit before about, say, East Palestine and and you know and, Mau- and Maui. You know, people say, well, we have money to give. To Israel, we have money to give to Ukraine. We have, you know, on and on, but we don't have money for here. And those connections are made. You know, yeah. they'll, they'll see that they'll you know, they'll see that the Wall Street report Journal reports that uh, the U.S. has sent 15,000 bombs and 57,000 artillery shells, uh, 2,000 Hellfire missiles to Israel in the last two months. Those numbers are probably actually larger than that because who knows when those numbers were actually put out, right? But people will then say, you know, and they're doing this daily, flying C-17s from Dover or wherever they're going from, you know, across the world and getting this done. And yeah, we still you know we're still you know trying to to find out what our next steps are let alone even rebuilding at this point we've had no help from the federal government or very little help and our state authorities are not much better and they tell us the reason why is because they don't have enough money they don't have the resources but so they can look and see what the government actually is capable of when it wants to be yeah and how it treats and you know I mean so uh the opportunity cost to this you know, is something that people, I think, are really identifying. And as you were saying, they, they put it all together. You tie it all together, you know, and, um, just as, uh, uh, you know, the, the government will continue to go after journalists will continue to go after media organizations will continue to go after whistleblowers you know and i think the fact that the united states government is, is so okay well they're okay with everything israel is doing but why they are you know haven't even mentioned about the journalists you know i don't think the state department has said anything about the journalists, maybe except for some type of really you know uh 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 just flaccid boilerplate. We regret the loss of life kind of thing. Journalists should be protected. But those numbers are astounding. And so, of course, you can say, yes, you know, it's dangerous what they're doing. They're they're going They're They're going. A bomb goes off. The journalists run to it. You're going to lose some. OK, I give you some of that. But the reality is, is that the numbers we're seeing killed the way they're being killed is that they are being deliberately targeted and you know some of it to punish them for what they're doing some of it to try and knock that type of media off the air just try and cut back on the amount of information coming out from gaza and others as we we're talking about with julian to serve as a warning this is what yeah. will happen to you yeah. and the american government has already allowed nations like this including israel when they when they murdered shireen abu akla uh you know in the middle of a street uh and cold blood daylight Uh, the Israeli army killed her the American citizen and the American government has done nothing just like the American government has done nothing about Jamal Khashoggi's you know murder right I mean so journalists see that and so even if you're an American citizen as a journalist you know the idea then is that you had no protection no protection and of course the precedent they're setting with with Julian in terms of the detention and you know if, and you could see that because you could see the Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gerskovich who's being held in Russia and so yep. what leg does anyone from the US have to stand on to 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 try and aid Gerskovich or try to defend him Uh, I mean so I I think this is all purposeful the way this ripples out the way it lets other countries get away with things you know in and and then also too then you start to look at the use of technology that's being developed to censor uh you know whether it's the various right the various rating systems that are out there uh the way that algorithms can be uh, and have been uh redone to make sure people watch certain shows make sure people hear certain podcasts you know i think many of us probably saw that happen in real time when youtube started doing that a number of years ago and all of a sudden rather than being uh you know recommended uh you know lee camp as the next thing to watch on youtube i'm being recommended rachel maddow right <laughs> right I mean so I mean, <laughs> right I mean so I think that technology piece you put all it all in the technology the surveillance uh the brutality the detention and you have a very um a very dystopian uh outlook for journalism but that is juxtaposed against what we were saying about the hope of it because this is why they are cracking down because they see the danger of it. right so it is I I have hope uh, as much as I am disheartened and heartbroken and so angry at what we've, I've never witnessed anything like this in my life. Most of us, most of us are saying that as well. And so all that anger and grief, at least there is this idea that, okay, but hang on, look how the younger folks look how the younger generations are talking about this. Look at the way information has been dispersed. There are, there are things that are going to come out of this that maybe give us hope for the future, even though we're going to, the idea of, of This type of atrocity, this ethnic cleansing, this genocide to witness it is, you know, is, is awful.
1: Yeah, it's overwhelming, actually. I mean, it is, uh, I've already told my husband that this weekend I'm completely disconnecting from the internet. It's, oh, I mean, to mm. see, and I can't imagine living it. I mean, I'm just some chicken oh, Ohio yeah, yeah, who's exactly. witnessing it play out. You know what I mean? I can't imagine, right. I can't even begin to fathom what Palestinians are going through. But I think that what you just said is absolutely correct. I think that the reason why we're seeing such an unbelievable crackdown on information and the censorship just is out of control um, is because they are desperate and they recognize that people are starting to look outside of establishment narratives. And in fact, Julian Assange there's a quote from him where he says uh quote censorship is always cause for celebration it is always an opportunity because it, it reveals fear of reform it means that the power position is so weak that they've got to care what people think end quote and I think he's absolutely right I think that that's why we're seeing them uh so frantically trying to control the narrative um and they're losing that battle in my opinion now listen do I think that that's going to be enough uh to save Palestine I don't know I sure hope so uh but it doesn't look good if we're just being realistic um but I I do think that there, at this point, there's no going back, right? There's no uh, there's no going back to the way things were before. I think that the situation has, we're now p- past the point of no return. Um, and I think that as with the Julian Assange case, I think that this really represents a turning point in human history. I think that we're going to go one of two different ways. And um, we really can't afford to lose either of those battles, in my opinion. I think that the, these two situations, um, and I don't mean to make the Palestine situation more important than any other, uh, you know, horrible I mean, Yemen or Syria or whatever, um, but I just think that because of the significance it's playing in uh, the 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 popular you know conversation and the lexicon and the way people are discussing it, I think that it is it represents a really unique opportunity for us to uh, move forward in a way um, you know that puts us in a better position as a species. So uh, that's my hope. I don't know. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Unfortunately, Matthew, we are out of time. Tell everybody where they can find you and where they can find your work.
4: I am uh, on Twitter at uh, Matthew P Ho, is and Patrick. So Matthew P H O H, and then uh, I work for the Eisenhower Media Network, and we actually just put out an open letter today. And if so people go to our website, just Google Eisenhower Media Network, you'll find us, and you'll read, a, you'll see a, a open letter from ten former military and national security officials. Uh, pushing for a diplomatic foreign policy as opposed to the militarized foreign policy, which has led, given us these consequences, led to these ongoing disasters.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. You're welcome back anytime. I'll be back tomorrow with another show for you. As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now, and don't go anywhere. Timothy Shays right after this on TNT Radio.